Hello and welcome to In Search of Tracks podcast. We're going to go back in time, talk about some pop punk music. My name is Pete. My name is Bob. Bob, did you ever imagine that when we became friends 25 years ago that we'd be sitting doing a podcast together talking about Blink-182? Uh, no, no, I didn't. <laughs> Mostly because um, podcasts did not were not a thing. Like, uh, I mean, there's that for sure. But I just I wouldn't have even imagined that we were like sitting in a park, <laughs> like, like twenty five years up, later, talking about. Like, oh, hey, what do you think about Blink One Eighty Two? Yeah, uh, the future is a weird, weird place, Pete. It's a weird place. It certainly um, is. Yeah. A lot of great things. A lot of great things. Podcasts, fucking great. <laughs> I get it. There's some lame ones. You're listening to a good one. Thank you for that. We appreciate it. Um, I feel like we're going to have a really fun time. This is going to be a fun ride. It's a good trip. Uh, Pete, before we get in, housekeeping and uh, setting the stage. One on social media, Twitter and Instagram. You can follow Swear. Follow us at TraxPod. And we love getting emails. We get a lot of good ones. Thank you so much. Send those emails to trackspod at gmail.com. Easy to remember. Behind the scenes now with the housekeeping. We typically record, you know, once a week. Sometimes we record one episode, sometimes two. We've done three a couple times. Yeah. Often, um, you leave it to my discretion to just kind of send over what episode are we doing. Some very rarely, I'll just like, hey, do you have a feeling? You, you know, you're like usually pretty easy. You're ready, whatever way we go. Ready to go. I actually like the surprise. It keeps me on my toes. Oh, I love the surprise. I specifically today we recorded two episodes. Picked this one to be our second of the two recording because. I just felt like there was going to be a lot of energy. (laughs) Um, uh, In good ways, we're going to laugh. We're going to cry. We're going to get angry. We're going to feel joy. Nostalgia. um, Someone's going to fart for fucking sure. (laughs) Um, Because what record are we talking about today, Pete? Blink-182, Enema of the State. This is a fun one. Um, It's a fun one. It's a big one. I know. Uh, Let's... Let's kind of um, set the deck first. Let's not. Let's get. We'll give our personal Blink One Eight Two journeys. <laughs> uh, but before we do that, this is the first big Blink One Eight Two record. This is the one that breaks them. Is that right? I mean, yes, yes. I yeah. mean, but I, but I mean, like, I don't, I don't know that they get to Enema of the State without Dude Ranch, but like, but yeah, I mean, Enema of the State is like the Blink One Eighty Two record that sold 15 million copies so yeah i mean it's it's it doesn't even compare to the rest of the records in that respect but but dude they did okay with dude ranch i mean for like a band of that time in that scene like they and they on did that pretty label good. i think it was a yeah. smaller label for dude ranch than than enema i'm not 100 but yeah yeah um this is the record that exploded them from being like a big band who would play warp tour to being like a band that was too big to play warp tour yeah um, i mean like like i i saw them at the stone pony in in asbury park new jersey 
many times, I think a few times with real big fish on yep. like in like the Dew Ranch era and the Warp yep. Tour era. Yep. And then all of a sudden they were, you know, all the kids in my high school were listening to them and yes. they were like too big for me. So they went from being the big pop punk band um to being just the big high school band. Yeah. Suburban um, school yeah, yeah, band. Yeah. One hundred percent. So um oh my god. What's up? Pete, we're gonna go to some dark places here. Let's do it. I just found a list of Warp Tour lineups by year, and it's laid <laughs> out like a spreadsheet, which oh, means someone great. made this, and it's unbelievable. All right, so yes, okay. Go um, in. So Pete, uh, I believe I went to Warp Tour in 97, 98, 99, and maybe 2000 in Asbury Park, New Jersey. Is that... Is 97 second Warp Tour or first Warp Tour? Third. 95 is the first, but 97 is the second in Asbury. The first year, 95, um, it played Camden. Okay. So they played 96, 97, 98, and 99, and then skipped 2000, but then we're back for 2001, probably as the main headliner. Um, so I think I went to the same ones that you did. I, I missed the first Warp Tour in Asbury. Yeah, but yeah, I went I'd, to the second one that was there. Same, um, man. I don't ever want to look at that spreadsheet again. Um, <laughs> Why? Well, it just the lineup, or you was, got no, bad memories, someone, or what? No, no, no. I, I mean, I don't have any bad memories. I, uh, <laughs> I don't just shouldn't say that. I, I don't have any bad memories related <laughs> to Warp Tour. Um, <laughs> you've you've lived a very, yeah, uh, very positive, privileged life. Yeah, um, and not that I haven't, but I got a couple. Um, <laughs> the uh no the effort level that went into whoever created this warp tour lineup by year um just surpasses like i spent a lot of time on dumb things pete that is a an effort that's like an impressive amount of effort for something that seems so inconsequential however here i am and i just used it so yeah, I mean, hey, it was an Screw important me, time for a lot of people. So, <laughs> um, wow. All right, so uh, <laughs> Blink One Eighty Two. Um, first thing first, would you call them a pop punk band? I mean, yeah, pop punk band. Yes, but there's some people who think of pop punk and think of <sighs> no effects. Blink-182 and NoFX are the same, but not. How are no they not? Ef- How are they not? Yeah. NoFX are for the kid who picks his nose and has like dirty clothes. Okay. Blink-182 is for that kid, but maybe more so like his cool older brother who surfs and wears corduroy shorts. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm with some you. Pe- some people might think of Blink-182 or think of Pop Punk and think Fallout Boy. How is Blink-182 and Fallout Boy not the same? Fallout Boy is for the kid, that younger brother who now like has swoosh hair and tight jeans. <laughs> and the older brother is now like just graduated college 
uh, but still throws blink on at the beach when they're playing smash ball. You know? <laughs> He's like, yo, hit me with a chorus. Oh, I love this song. What's my age again? Oh, yeah. You know? Um, <laughs> and some people, when they hear pop punk, might think Green Day. Yeah. But Green Day and Blink-182 also aren't the same. Pete, how are they not the same? Uh, I mean, this is this is my struggle. Because <laughs> I, I, as I was listening to Blink-182 this time around, I was like, I don't know that they're not the same. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I think that... Um, God, there's a few things I'll point out. Like it's more sonic with this than yeah. Green Day's a lot more like. Um, well, let me. Let I me spike take... my hair and it's dyed green. Yeah, but also I I do love hanging out at the mall. Yep. Blink One Eighty Two is. I have a lip ring, lip ring, but I still have really cool hair, and yeah, I go to the mall, but I don't shop at Hot Topic. I shop at PacSun. Right. Right. You know, but, but it's also like, like, and I'm, I'm just thinking because as I judge bands entirely by their fan base, please enjoy. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like you, you have, you have some leftover, uh, like resentment. No, uh, no, uh, that's uh, what we're going to get to. Pete. Uh, I got no, none. Yeah, I love no, the Blink-182 no. fan. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. But like, but, it, but it's, it's just like, I can't, I guess at this point I'm thinking about the, the long game. I mean, like. You know, you and I were similar ages when all this stuff came out. We were in high school or just out of high school or whatever. So, like, yeah. similar ranges, uh, and and that obviously impacts the way that we hear the music, right? But like, uh, I now have seen what these twenty years have brought, and like, like Green <laughs> you cannot Day, see it. Yeah, I mean, you cannot see it. I mean, Green Day and Blink One Eighty Two have the same fan base, like, they, and they have the same fan base as Weezer. And arguably a similar um, fan base is no effects. So like, um, so it's just, to me, it all kind of blends together at a certain point, um, which I think is natural. I would argue the descendants even fall into that camp at a certain point, but like, which I know I might get some hate mail for, but um, when I was a youth and this stuff came out, the difference to me was that Green Day was just, it felt darker um, okay. like songs, songs like Longview. Oh, what a song. I don't, I don't feel like Blink-182 would have written, um, because Blink-182 were just more about like dick and fart jokes in my head than, yeah. than Let's go Green get tacos, Day were. Bro. Yeah. yeah. And, and to your point, I think like Blink-182 fans were like on the like more popular kid end of the punk kids spectrum where it's like those were the kids that like got the girls. Whereas like the green day fans were like the, the losers who were not getting girls, which like I probably fell into that camp more than the blink One Eighty Two camp, you know? So mm-hmm. it's uh, and hence maybe I was a bigger green day fan as a result, but like <laughs> it's, it's, it's like such a weird and yeah, I'm with you. Like I have like, I don't feel anything towards anything at this point. So I'm, it doesn't matter to me, but I just, I think it is so funny how like back then all of these bands were in separate camps. And I think in retrospect, they were all kind of provably in the same camp, but for some reason we broke them out into different camps. I think it's a good theory. Uh, I think (laughs) over time it's all of these things have blended into one. 
and it's under this weird and I would I would actually exempt no effects and this, the descendants but I think how you included Weezer along with Green Day and Blink 182 and I'm sure there's a bunch more we could um, and we could throw in stuff like Fall Out Boy or My Chemical Romance and all these kind of things these like no effects never quite got so big never quite got big enough the descendants were there, but they weren't quite big enough. Like you could hear Blink One Eighty Two and never hear the Descendants, despite the f- and you could you know like Sublime, for example. I mean, I'm j- just just to be clear, I'm talking more just like the type of person that likes that type. Of oh, sure, sure, sure. Well, you know, well, not, well not like like obviously, yeah. No effects would never reach the the no, peaks. But I, I think there's did, I but. think there's a bigger spectrum too. Like I think yes. The person who most of the people who like no effects also like some Green Day or maybe like some Blink One Eighty Two or or like the Weezer early Weezer records or maybe even like the later bullshit Weezer records. Um, but I think there's then a step up from that of maybe a slightly more casual listener who likes all that stuff where we're parsing it, but like those are all the same things. And at the time, it felt like maybe those were different, and they're all the same thing. Yeah. Um, Blink-182 is an interesting conversation uh, and we can compare it and we can talk about it. Let's talk about our personal experiences with Blink-182 because this is (laughs) a really funny thing. I don't think that you and I, despite having been friends for 25 years now, shout out to the anniversary. um, (laughs) I don't think I know how you feel about this except, except, correct me if I'm wrong, Pete, did you own... The Blink one eighty Blink one eighty two shirt with the rabbit on it. I don't think I did. I don't think I okay. ever owned that shirt. I don't I'm think I ever to remember if one of your crew did or if just another friend of mine did. Uh, I think that I may have. There may have been someone in my crew that had that shirt, but I I, okay. I don't think I ever had a Blink one eighty two shirt. Okay, all right. Um, so so that is to say, I don't think I know anything. Then I definitely had a Green Day shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Numerous um, Green Day shirts. I In remember fact. you wearing the Dookie shirt, I think, at some point. Yeah, yeah. that that tracks. Okay, <laughs> speaking of, uh, your history with Blink-182. So I um, was fortunate enough to have a cool parent and friends that had cool parents that would drive us into Asbury Park, New Jersey as a kid. Asbury Park was not the most welcoming place then in the, 90, in the late 90s. Um, but they had a, that's where you went to go see all the punk shows or punk adjacent shows or whatever. Um, yeah. A lot of bands still played the Stone Pony and the Warp Tour happened there and all of these things. So um, I don't know exactly, you know, what my first couple Stone Pony shows were, but I went and saw Rancid there on like the Outcome the Wolves tour. And, you know, I saw the Offspring there and I saw all these bands um, like when they were big, big bands, but the stone pony was like a fairly small venue. So it was kind of cool that we got to see them in these small places. But, um, there were a lot of like big, like ska punk slash rock shows that just happened. And I feel like they started at like 4 PM and 20 bands played. Um, (laughs) and that just like happened all the time. (laughs) And I, and I went to like so many of those. 
Um, and I, for some reason, and I'm, I, I know that this is not true, but I feel like I must have seen Blink-182 like five plus times before Enema of the State came out. Yes. Because they were just always touring and always coming through and playing these ridiculous, like long form shows. Um, yes. And it was always with like Real Big Fish or like Bucko Nine or like. So they, you know, they did that for sure. Like they were on, if memory serves, Real Big Fish hit Asbury Park. Like literally, and and for people of a certain age, you remember the moment. For people younger than that, you'd have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, the ska band Real Big Fish <clears throat> had a one, there was a huge ska boom in the mid 90s uh, where it was mainstream, popular, heavy rotation on MTV, etc. Um, for a second, it seemed like after grunge, it was going to be ska. Yeah. Um, so Real Big Fish hit and it was like, they went from being a band who would tour the country playing to a couple hundred kids to being like, oh, they're selling out, you know, thousand to 2,500 cap rooms overnight. And then it was like, whoa, do we go up a level? And they didn't totally, but they did very well for a minute. And Blink toured with them. And you said Buck 09. I feel like they did Suicide Machine tour. Like they did all Definitely that Suicide stuff. Machines, yeah. yep. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so I, I just saw them a lot and, uh, I was at that point at that age, I mean, I was, I don't know, 14, 15. So I was just obsessed with anything and everything I could get my hands on that was like even punk, just punk related in any way. So I was a big fan of them. I had Cheshire cat. I had dude ranch. Uh, I was a big fan and then enema of the state came out and, at that point, I had gotten a bit deeper into other, you know, like hardcore punk music. So I had kind of was actively not as interested in like the, yeah, the ship had sailed. punk stuff at that point. And Enema of the State, I'll say this, I bought it and I listened to it and I liked it, um, but I wasn't talking to it. I wasn't talking to a lot of people about it because it was kind of an embarrassment <laughs> Cause it was yeah. not a, it was not a cool thing to be into and, or actually it was a very cool thing to be into. And that was but, kind of the problem. And, but not, not in our specific little tiny micro pocket community. Exactly. Um, so like, you know, the hits I ultimately got annoyed with at a certain point, um, just because they were everywhere and unavoidable, but overall I really liked the record and, uh, was a fan of it. I just, I wasn't, you know, out in the open about it at that point. So, so that was kind of my Blink-182 experience. And, uh, since then I like, when they put a record out, I listened to it. I, I usually like maybe one or two songs from it and, uh, that's that. But, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's funny to see bands that you were familiar with at such a young age, like grow as you grow. So I just, I kind of keep tabs on them in that respect, but, but yeah, what, what about you? Pete, it's a weird one. Um, yes, uh, Blink-182. I did not have Cheshire Cat. Okay. I was not aware of them. I started getting into punk and hardcore music and was into more of the classic stuff right away. Okay. But then <clears throat> I also had friends in my neighborhood who I hung out with and played football in the street with and would go to the beach with and do this and that with, and they loved Blink-182. And Dude Ranch <laughs> came out. 
And I remember hearing it and being like, yo, I really like this. But I'm already into like Descendants and Dag Nasty and Gorilla Biscuits and, you know, Youth of Today and the Bad Brains and, you know, Cro-Mags and New York yeah, well, Hardcore and One of Discord these things is not and, like the other. Yeah, right. And I was getting into this and, and you know, current active bands and, and I kind of understood or was learning to understand the difference between the world I was getting into and then this Blink-182 thing. But that said, I thought Dude Ranch was really good for what it was. And I thought it was different than what I was listening to. And I think I was right about that. But I didn't I didn't really care. And when I went to Warp Tour and saw him, I, you know, crowd walked and <laughs> jumped off people <laughs> and did fun stuff. Um I wish I wish and I hope people get that same experience now. Um a mutual friend of yours and mine. I believe it was a Green Day set at one of those warp tours. I don't know which year they played, but I'm positive it was Green Day. It was Green Day outdoors in Asbury Park. Okay. And both of us were like I was headwalking on people and <laughs> so was he and we saw each other from like 50 feet away and it was it was a f- cool moment. Oh, that's glorious. Um, it was really good. Um <clears throat> but anyways, it was just just, just a glorious thing. So Blink-182 same thing. Um, but by the time Enema of the State came out, they were full on like radio level, like really popular. And it wasn't like I had any, like to me, they were already that they were like surf bro Jeep rock. Um, right. But I thought it was cool, but I also knew it wasn't cool. Cool. And Enema of the State, I didn't own it. Dude Ranch, I bought, I owned on CD, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, but End of the State came out and I didn't buy it. I didn't own it, but I heard it plenty because I had friends who I drove around with who were all in. And I liked the hits. I thought it was pretty good. I I didn't want to own it. I, I then was so like entrenched in this other world that it was really anathema to sure. um, to what I was into, but it really was. I was exactly and I but I wasn't mad about it for them and if Somebody who's putting it on, I wasn't going to throw it off um, or make a stink about it. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you know, like I, I vaguely kept tabs, and you were, you were, it was una- you were unable to avoid Blink One Eighty Two through those years in a certain way. You know what I mean? Like they were on TV, they were on the radio, they were popular, so you had to really bury yourself in subculture. And I, I was. But I still heard those songs, you know? So all the way up through the self-titled record, which I think is, what, 2003 or 2004, I know I know the catalog pretty decently well. Um, nice. So uh, to say this was a fun revisit is, is an understatement because there's so much meat on this bone to talk about. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot here. Let's just start talking about this record. Um is this record a good thing for teen boys to put into their brain? Uh, God, I don't know. Uh, probably not ultimately, but right. it's, it's, it's things that I feel like are super relatable as 18 where, or, or 15, you know? Yeah. I mean, particularly, I guess particularly as a teenage boy, it's just like, I mean, it's a lot of heartbreak and like, 
dick jokes. And at that point, the most important thing in the world is like getting the right girl. Um, oh my God. It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's a whole thing. Uh, you know, I, I, know. I asked it's, a pretty it, big question. There's some weird issues with this record. We'll get there on the song by song on the track by track. Yeah. But like, yes, I largely agree. I, I, there's some commentary I think about when I, there's one song in specific that we're really going to go in on. Um, but overall, this is a very immature teen style record. And I say that, but maybe that's not the experience that teens need to have, but yeah. this just feels like it. And it's, it's like this separation between like uh chicken or the egg. Are we creating the teen experience as being this weird puppy dog, love forlorn, Oh, geez, I wish that girl liked me experienced. Or is that just something that goes along with being a child who is going through hormones right? and figuring things out and, you know, whether it's a boy, girl, NB, whatever, like, and just trying to figure out who you like and if they like you and do they like you for you and are you enough? And like, it's, it's very <laughs> well, teen. Yeah, it's very teen. And man this record like literally sounds like the smell of a teen boy's room you know well i mean and you actually kind of answered one of the questions i was going to ask you but i'll just put it out anyway it's like dude the members of this band i think were between like 23 and 27 when it came out yep the lyrics do not reflect that in any way wait they do there's one song where they address it okay nobody likes it when you're 23 and you still act like you're in freshman year. Yeah. Well, well, there you go. Yeah. We're fucking meta as hell here, Blink-182. Yes, you're right. If you're 23, but you're writing records that make it sound like you're a 14-year-old, 15-year-old, yeah. yeah. Nobody likes that. Yeah, Anyways, yeah, yeah. we're going to get to that. One of the well, highlights of the record, in my opinion. Yeah, sure. I mean, but, but that's maybe, that's the weird part is like, kids love this record. I was a kid when it came out, and I... I like this record, but I, there were kids younger than me that loved it, you know? So they were speaking to a thing that they had experienced prior, which just as like mid twenties, it, it, it's weird. It feels weird. I don't know. Feels weird. Feels weird. Feels of a time. Feels weirder every second into adulthood. Yeah. I mean, like, so not to go too deep here. Uh, we're way deep on Blink 182. We haven't even gone yeah. track by track and we're almost at the record length, but please go ahead. Yeah, that's true. Um, go deep. Do it. Let's fucking poop joke here. <laughs> so Tom DeLong was on the Turnout of Punk podcast not too long ago. Oh, shout out. And I listened to it um, just strictly out of curiosity. And at one point he mentions the fact that um, I think it was when they were, you know, picking up. So it was like dude ranch era. They're getting more attention. Um, It was kind of clear that they were one of the leaders of the pack and that, you know, major labels were thinking about them and stuff. And they started getting girls that were like taking their tops off at like the warp tour and stuff. And apparently other bands were coming to them and being like, you know, you guys just like make dick and fart jokes on stage and like talk about like boobs and all these things. It's just like, it seems really immature. Like 
you don't need to be doing that, right? Like you guys actually write good songs and your music kind of speaks for itself and you don't really need to like put this whole air out about it. And Tom DeLonge like still was like defending like, Hey man, we were just kind of doing what we wanted to be doing. Right. And like at a certain point it's like, yeah, man, do what you want to do. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, but if you're like a mid twenties pushing 30 year old man and like, like, like young girls are taking their tops off. It's just like, 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 but, but I mean, what, what I think about is like, what people talk about Motley Crue in a certain way. Like what's the difference? You know, at a certain point it's the, it's the same thing. It's like, it's like what hair metal ultimately became. Well, that's there we go. Okay. Um, it and is it's, the and it's equally as 90s, gross. Yes, it's not, you know, pop punk is a lot closer to the ethos and, and vibe of hair metal than it is to some weird underground counterculture thing. Let's be fucking real. Like, yeah. Uh, I just want that out there. Stop looking like this as some weird bastardization of of a, an underground culture and start realizing Warp Tour was, you know, the Def Leppard, Motley Crue, whatever tour uh, equivalent 10 years later. Right. You know, um, yeah, agree. Uh, nothing, nothing more. You very well said. Um, we should kind of try to acknowledge where these are and how we judge it should be part there, but we can also kind of give both because in the same way, this is Tom DeLong saying this on the turned out a punk podcast, a like very like died in the wool person with roots and background in punk and hardcore. Who's really like well-spoken and super knowledgeable of the world. So, um, in 2022, in 2022. So, um, is this a record that feels relevant in 2022? Uh, it kind of does, actually. Um, it, <laughs> yeah. it really does in, in the weirdest way. I mean, Machine Gun Kelly is recreating this with the help of Travis Barker at this point. And, right. you know, there's guys like Youngblood who are like, uh, you know, according to Mick Jagger, the future of rock music. So um, I don't I don't. It's 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 insane that it's still relevant, but somehow I also it's still super relevant. There's a generation. I mean, look, I'm not gonna. I do another podcast called Axe to Grind, hardcore punk podcast. Please check it out if you, for some reason, aren't. Um, <laughs> and because I'm fairly confident this will come out either after we do this or it won't be heard. Uh, one of the concepts we're doing is a uh, an idea I had. Me and Patrick come up. Me and Patrick, one of the two co-hosts, come up with statements that we feel are inflammatory, but also somewhat supportable that might make our third co-host like, <laughs> be taken aback. Tom would be like, what? Good so, idea. Because he's the most like sincere and real and also passionate about music person that I think either of us knows. that some of the things we might say might, you know, shock and, and not enrage, but really get a rise. And, and when that plays out on, on air, it, it's, it's pretty fun. Um, but I came up with this concept because in conversation, I, I said to someone, I think Blink-182 is the equivalent of Black Sabbath to an entire generation. 
Yeah. To say that this is a band who introduced people to a whole world of guitar-based music and is very important to them. And since then, it's been kind of... I had I said it to a friend who then asked others who were like, yeah, yeah, that's that's one of the bands I got into music through and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, whoa! Um, it's crazy if you're over a certain age to hear that or to hear Blink-182 compared to Black Sabbath at all. I hope that somebody's smashing their, their <laughs> radio. I, I can think of a few who might be. But um, it is wild because... Pete, when we talked about it prior to this episode, you said you've noticed something as well that would kind of lead you to that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, but it's but it's just that. I mean, it's it's. Are you talking about the Travis Barker thing? Yes, I am talking about the Travis Barker. Thing. Yeah, so I mean, like for like for me as a drummer, I always thought Travis Barker was a great drummer in a certain respect, where it was like he was really technical in this way that uh, punk rock drummers of the time were not typically that technical. Yeah. Um, and now I've just noticed and I'm not even familiar with all the bands, you know, playing nowadays. Sure, I, mean, sure. I, I, I mentioned machine gun Kelly and young blood and all these things. I, I try to keep tabs, but I'm obviously missing certain things, but at the same time I've noticed just, just in the way that drummers set their kits up, I've noticed that they like mirror the way that he sets his kit up and you know the way that he might do certain flourishes they'll do the same flourishes so like it's it's just a really interesting thing to see because i feel like and we'll get into this with you know when we go through the track by track but i think he Travis Barker as a drummer contributed to this band and their success in such a massive way but he also became like a celebrity in and of himself which i i think that's like I'm not saying anything that's shocking to anybody um, at this point, but like as a human, but also just as a drummer and like yeah. his kind of style, yeah. Um, aesthetically, like just how he looks, so like the whole thing. So, so it, how it, he it's, plays, it's, right? How he plays. It's 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 just a really interesting. Uh, it's a really interesting thing that honestly, I I can't even think of that many drummers in history that have done that. Um, but he to have has that level out. of saturation, and I mean, yeah. no, I think it's, I think it's a really good point. I, uh, so yes, um, I think, and and to get to this record, I think Travis Barker is a secret weapon. He's like a nuclear bomb on this record because he's so adept and he's so technical, and he transitions in between parts and tempos and paces and styles so well. Yeah that it is the cohesive element of this entire record. And even if you have nothing else to say, if you just listen to the drums on this record, one, they're really good Two, It seems like it's joyful to play this record. Like if you're a drummer <laughs> playing this record, seems like it'd be a lot of fun. If you could play it. Yeah. I mean, it's like, there's so many flourishes. It's tough, but like, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's proof of, like if you want to hear what a difference a drummer can make to a record, just listen to Dude Ranch and then listen to Enema of the State. Yes. Or or listen to the first Foo Fighters record and listen to The Color and the Shape. Yeah. You know, like it's it's just like those things, it makes a huge difference. 
Yeah, um, I think that's the one. There's two major differences between Enema and Dude Ranch, and uh, that's the that's the number one with a bullet is you can feel Travis Barker on this record. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I remember actually at the time there was like I'm this has to be this is like obviously lore. But I remember hearing stories at the time where it was like, oh, you know, it was like this whole industry play, like 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 the industry was actually pushing Travis Barker on the band because like they knew that he would, you know, kind of push them over the top. And it's like, well, that's obviously not a not true because he was in the fucking Aquabats, you know, but <laughs> but but yeah. but but it's 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 one of those things where like you hear it without knowing the context and you're like, maybe that that sounds plausible because he is that good, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and who knows what the industry? It, it's like you know, all of a sudden it's one dude who know who's like a friend <laughs> right. of their manager being like, "Hey, this dude's really good. You should get right, him." Exactly. In. Yeah. You know, and it's like oh, that's even industry. a better point. That's um, even better. Maybe it is true, but it was just yeah, it was this guy being like, "Hey, there's this band called the Aquabats. The, the drummer's really good. You guys should talk to him." Yeah, literally, like that's as much as it could be. Yeah. Um, Man, there's so much more. I think we should do track by track because I think it's going to open up into a lot of conversations about this record at large. But before we do, do you have any other big ideas? Um, no big ideas. I think um, I think we're good. Let's just go in. First song, Dump Um, great opening song. Like the energy is wild on this. Um, the guitar leads right off the top. The, the drums you can tell are like super up front. It sounds great. The production on it is great. Um, which I meant to say, I did not know that the same producer that did Green Day's Dookie, Jerry Finn. Yes. Was produced brought in this on record. This I yep. didn't, I didn't know that. Um, yep. so that was new to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, it. This song has all of the pieces. So, like, if you were a fan of early Blink One Eighty Two with like just the fast kind of double kick drum, pop punk beat, yep. it's got that. But it also has a lot of different drum flourishes. Where I think I read something where uh, Travis Barker, I think, you know, talking to the band when he was inducted. Um, he was like, Hey, listen, most punk bands have one beat for the verse, one beat for the chorus. It's, it's fairly repetitive. What if I just switch up all the beats for all the different parts of the song? And how would you guys feel about that? And they were like, Hey man, you're the professional, do what you got to do. And, uh, I think that really shows here because, you know, it comes on, but it like 
the verse has this super catchy drum beat, but then the chorus has this other catchy drum beat, but yep. they're not your typical no, kind of pop not. punk rock and roll drum beat. So no, he's doing different things with the the, the rhythm there for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's really really cool. Like, so his beat so is different. So you can tell that it's like it's pop punk, but it's like elevated yeah. in that respect, right? So, but yeah. that being said, I like the lyrics. We get into a whole different category, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, largely agree with you. I think the production is shown off right from start. It's big room. It's super clean, but it works for what they're doing. And I don't think there's elements of this record that wouldn't work as well if you were to try to be like, no, we need a raw version. It's Blink-182. You don't need a raw version of Blink-182. That's no. stupid. Um this record goes back and forth a lot between Tom songs, Tom DeLong, and Mark songs, Mark Hoppus. This is a Tom song. You get his vocal whine here. It can be so much at times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think if you're off this band for the vocals, it's because of Tom's vocals. Um, 100%. This is not his best vocals on the record. He gets better at certain points, and maybe part of it is as you ease into the record, you get a little, it, it softens to your ears. But one of the things, I don't hate it partially because it's an attainable taste. And an attainable taste when it comes to a vocal is something that you feel like you could do, no question. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, like Mark, you could do those too, but that's like, let me sing the cleanest I can, and it's sort of talking, <laughs> but I also sing. Whereas Tom, you're like. Okay, I'm gonna go nasal, <laughs> and you maybe are sad. And it's like anybody feels like they can do that. Um, so that's a weird thing. Uh, there's this like mid tempo to the speedier part, but it isn't like it, it's. You're, you're totally right. I, I like how you spelled out the drum stuff on this song. It's hard to even put your finger on it until you said it, and you're like, oh yeah, that's exactly right. It's it's not typical, and it switches up. And it gives the, the record a, a strong start musically to a song that I think is just fine. Like vocally, it doesn't do much for me. Lyrically, it's dumb. It's fine. Yeah. Um, which brings us into the first Don't Leave Me, which I think we have the... Uh, this is a Mark song, largely. Yeah. They're both here. Um, this one goes down easy musically. It's kind of very like... It it creates what I think is the new in the pocket for Blink-182 sound. Coming off Dude Ranch, they have a couple songs that do this, but not a lot. And they're establishing this new kind of like... Man, what is the speed on this? It's not mid-tempo, but it's not fast. But it's faster than Dumpweed. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's, it's not a gallop, you know? The thing of note, though, is it, it was faster than anything on the radio. You yes, know, I, that's like, right. Like, and, and this was and, a radio I, song. Yeah, and I, I do, I just, I just feel like Blink One Eighty Two were unique in that, like, obviously, you know, the hits um, were not as fast. What's my age again? But like, it was still faster than anything on the radio. I feel like so, um, it still had that like. I don't even want to call it an edge because it wasn't like a punk edge. It was just like, you could tell that it came from punk, but it was like 
no longer really punk in that respect. I don't know. You know it, it was an edge compared to to radio rock. <laughs> well, yeah, compared to radio rock, compared to like Backstreet Boys, I guess you know. Yeah, which um, is the other uh, prevailing prime music of this time is like this hits during the peak of boy band revival. Like this is the height of NSYNC. Backstreet Boys, 98 Degrees, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, like Destiny's Child. Every pop vocal band was popping. And then Blink-182 is one of the other big winners of this time frame. Which that's, I mean, that's when you look at it in the historical context, it is interesting because these things are always a pendulum swing. Mm -hmm. And like Nirvana and... You know, we covered Alice in Chains on this podcast. We covered a lot of that kind of early to mid '90s stuff, at least like guitar rock. Yep, it was dark, dude. You know, like those yeah. records are dark, man. So, like in that respect, I it's it's not a surprise to me that you know, as Backstreet Boys kicks up, Blink One Eighty Two kind of takes that place in the guitar rock world. Yeah, where it's a pendulum swing, where it's like. Hey, it's, guitar it's easy, rock isn't man. all just heavy. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's just like it's 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 not dark. It's not depressing. It's just like, hey, let's just like this is just fun, man. Let's just have fun. We've we've been dark for a while now. Let's just have fun. So like in that respect, I can't hate on it. But but yeah, I mean, it gets a little silly, you know, for me. But like, but yeah. it's uh, I get it, you know. Um, where are you at on Don't Leave Me? <laughs> the cl- uh, what i refer to as the clean boy vocals yeah yeah i mean i don't i don't mind hoppus's vocals i i totally get i totally get how uh people could hate tom delong's vocals i think the nasally thing can get really annoying um but this song i like uh it just but it it sounds like again they're like if if you know this stuff you know that they're not doing necessarily anything new but it's just a cleaned up tightened up version of that thing so it's like it has the signature pop punk like stops and starts yep it's like the lyrics are just kind of lovelorn confused teenage feelings about things um i don't know it's 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 fine i like this song i think it's catchy but but it's it's just it is what it is yeah it's catchy um it's catchy. I, I think it's a, a really strong second track to kind of be a pull in. Whereas I, I thought the first song is a good opener, but other than setting the tone and kind of being an intro to some of the sounds, doesn't get it. Now, where I, are you? I'll, I'll say, I'm sorry. Last thing, I'll, I'll say that the one thing that I think sets this song apart is just like the one more time with feeling part. Oh yeah, let's do this one more time with, with feeling. feeling. Like yeah. that's the thing I think that sets Blink One Eighty Two apart where rather than just doing the verse, chorus, verse, chorus, they make this part that is kind of almost like stadium-ish. 100%. That, so that, yes. That, that you can have a room of people singing along to. That's like, that's the thing. That's why Blink-182 yes. or Blink-182 and other bands didn't didn't get there. It, it's, <clears throat> it is borderline man i don't want to be too complimentary it's borderline brilliant <laughs> because because Dude, they're i mean they're brilliant in their they're own brilliant. way they they, they song, this song is two minutes and 23 seconds 
it is not an excessively long song, especially for radio songs, where like this is not quite two and a half, but really a lot of times you're trying to get to three for the radio songs, and they don't, and this still worked and still caught, but what they did smartly was not try to do another full iteration, another full verse chorus. Yeah. They're like let's let's do something a little more clever and they did it, you know. So shout out to them. Um before we go into the next song because it's, it becomes a recurring thing, I want to go through this lead vocals on this record. Uh, I'll start with track 1 and go through and go how it's ordered. DeLong, Hoppus, DeLong, Hoppus, Hoppus, DeLong, Hoppus, DeLong, Hoppus, DeLong, Hoppus, DeLong. Outside of the block of going away to college and what's my age again, they alternate the entire record. Yeah. Really interesting. Don't know how intentional it is, but how it ended up that way. But here we are. So definitely something worth noting because you feel it as you listen to the record. Yeah, you definitely do. Um, Track three, Aliens Exist. And I think this Um, is a better version of the Tom vocals here. Yeah, I, I this is maybe one of my favorite songs on the record. Really? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Um, you just really like pop punk songs that are about the existence of extraterrestrials. I mean, I honestly never really thought about the lyrics to Blink One Eighty Two songs because for me, it's, <laughs> it's it's more just like I thought the musicianship was impressive, honestly. Yeah, so yeah. so for me, it was just like, wow, these songs are structured in such an interesting way, and like, why do I like this so much, even though I kind of dislike this genre typically um but i don't know i i I think it's a really good song um and i have to say this is just not not so much about the song but did you ever i imagine your answer is no tom DeLong was on the joe rogan podcast a few years ago (laughs) did you happen to listen to any of that no i didn't but do you i i have a feeling i know where this is going and i was going to ask you how familiar are you with with Tom's non-music projects? Uh, not super familiar other than I listened to him on Rogan and just Do you realized know about that the, was... To the Stars Academy of Arts and Science? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he mentioned that. And uh, apparently the CIA got in touch with him because he was one of the few uh, people that, you know, they trusted enough to impart this knowledge to about like what uh what was going on with extraterrestrials yes and i mean it really wild dude really wild stuff yes um yes uh in april 2020 the pentagon declassified three videos which had been captured of ufos delong had previously released these videos through his company back in 2017 yeah this song is full on. Yeah, it's full on, dude. Like and like his, his he he manifested uh this future where he um <laughs> founded a uh entertainment company called To the Stars which also serves as a uh academy um of aerospace and science dedicated to UFOlogy and fringe science. Wow. Dude, it's wild. It's really, really wild. I, the Rogan podcast I listened to, I, I was like, I'm listening to a crazy person, and then 
maybe there are certain things in there that are true. I don't know, but it 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 made me think about one of the early Blink One Eighty Two things I had was a seven inch called Uranus, mm-hmm. and it was like an mm-hmm. alien on the cover, and I was yep. like, "Yo, this dude was not joking around. He was really, really in it." And then actually, in preparation for this, I I was reading some interviews with. Uh, Mark Hoppus, mm-hmm. when uh, Tom DeLong quit, <laughs> yep, to do Angels and Airwaves, yep, yeah, and uh, and they were asking him about just the alien thing, and he was like, "Oh no, no, yeah." Tom used to talk to us about that stuff in the tour van all the time. He was like deadly serious about it. Yes, yes, like, <laughs> I, I, it's, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. I actually, it's like, dude, the, I mean. I prefer if if Blink One Eighty Two were strictly an alien like pro <laughs> pro alien band. Sure, you're in, and I'm in. You're in. I'm in. Cool. Um, what this, do you think of this song? The song, song you don't love sort song. of washes over me. Um, okay. Despite the compelling lyrical content, compelling lyrical content, passionate <laughs> subject. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'll ask how many pop punk songs are there about the existence of extraterrestrials? You know, um, it's just funny because the rest of the record, literally, like, there's like a couple other songs that are content heavy, and then it's you know, a song like this that sticks out like a sore thumb. But I also like knowing all that about this dude knows it's like a like yeah, this matters. We need a song about this. And he sings it just as passionately as anything else. Oh, oh, you know, is, I yes, mean, there's like, no there's question. like, a, there's like a heavy breakdown in this song. That's <laughs> like about alien. It's amazing. Yes. I'm in. Dude. All right. You're in. I'm, <clears throat> I'm, 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 uh, you're not super. Uh, in. Yeah. I am going away to college. Next track. This is a thing that you can tell, for me at least, like that they came out of punk rock. Just the transitions between the songs, because yes. I feel like everything Close kind in. of feeds yep. into each other, and that's I I have a soft spot for that. So I like that. Um, this one, I think it's a catchy song. I think most of the songs on this record are catchy, and I I like this song. But it's like once I start delving into the lyrical content here, it's like you're leaving to go to college even though you're writing this song as like a 25 year old man, but like, and then, but like the, the lyrics themselves are, I haven't been this scared in a long time. And it's like, man, like, have you experienced anything in life that like you haven't been this scared in a long time? It's about going to college and like leaving your like high school sweetie. It's, it's, but at the same time, this is where, and, and this is where people are going to hate me. It's like, uh, 
What's the difference between this and a Descendant song? I'm not sure. There's none. There's no difference. There's none. It's the picture. It's the same picture. You know, it's the same thing. Um, so uh, to 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 go off that, this song um feels like the poignant scene in a 1999 high school to college rom com. You know, yeah, like somebody's leaving winter formal or something here. This song, what I like is how it. I, I you mentioned the transitions. I love how this leads into the next song. I, I, I'm I, this one's not super remarkable. Uh, it washes, you know. It's just like hmm, okay, it's fine. Um, like I'd be surprised. I'd, I I wonder how long this song hung around in the uh, in the set list. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't imagine it made it past uh, album tours if it even stuck as a hard album tour or like a cycle song, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, this song, whatever. Let's get to the, the bones of what's my age again. <laughs> yeah. So this is the song that has the lyric you referenced before. It is. Nobody likes it when you're 23 and you still act like it's you're in freshman year. True. Which, let's, hey, uh, that plays well into the college freshman year. But when I hear that, I, I hear it as someone, because of the lyrical content, someone who's in freshman year of high school. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe he means college. but, um, But like this is the hit, right? Is this this isn't? I mean, I I think all the small things is the hit. Oh, you're but, right. But, God but damn yeah. it! This is the number two or maybe even number three hit. Um, but it's one of the big hits off the song, for um, sure. This is like lyrical rejection about immaturity. Clearly, it's meta as hell. They are <laughs> dudes in their mid twenties singing a song about being immature, and. Um, you know, I, I really like how it's dated some of the references and the style of the lyrics are. Mm-hmm. Um, using a payphone. Um, that's about the time that bitch hung up on me. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's the most like deedly D song on the record. Like do 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 like it just is uh really simple melodies that work really well like um they use quiet loud shit all over this record especially here though uh i like the song i i like the song a lot let me just say that in a catchy way in a like adult way it's very funny to think about it because it goes to exactly what you just asked like you're writing songs about going away to college. Did you guys go to college? If you did, you already finished. <laughs> like, are you, it's okay to write about experiences, but like, okay. Like, with Blink-182, and this is a good question, are you more okay with Blink-182 acknowledging that high school juniors and seniors are their target demographic than, say, a band like The Descendants? Because I think it might be the same. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like it's like, yeah, it's oh, we know similar. who's gonna be listening to this. A bunch of seventeen year olds. Yeah. Yeah, which like if you're if you're constantly going after that demographic, it's like uh, <laughs> how long do the how long are those legs, you know? Right. I, I don't know. But Blink One Eighty Two somehow managed to make it uh still singing about that shit and it's <laughs> twenty years later, so who knows? <laughs> um but but uh I mean I mean, this song is like undeniably catchy. It's just the the yeah. hits on this record. Um, 
it's it's no wonder that they were hits. They just and again, I I feel like really the post grunge thing plays yep. into this a lot uh, because it's just fun. It's like yep, it's, it's light. It doesn't it's feel flipping. Complete. It's yes, light. Correct. Yeah, it's it's just like it's what is my age again? Let's just have a good you know, time. Who cares? It's, it's really funny that you bring that up because I never put that all together. But that's a big thing is that the heaviness of rock music. Like, so we had grunge in the early 90s. And then after grunge was the weird, like, like light grunge alt era that I think of when I think of like gin blossoms and like better than Ezra, the wallflowers, Weezer even. And then you get kind of like roots, butt rock. Like, yeah. I have become <laughs> cumbersome. Yeah. And then you have like the overly machismo ag- aggro new metal world that's burgeoning here as well. And in Saunters like Blink-182, the dude who's scratching his butt and like joking and like making poop sounds. And also it's like... <sighs> Yo, you know what? That seems pretty fun. Let's go eat lunch with them. That's fun. <laughs> Fine. I'm in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you, you, yeah. that's a really good point. Um, it's a relief. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, compare this to like smells like teen spirit. <laughs> it's like it's completely different worlds. Yeah. I, I just got chills thinking about that. Yeah. I, um, I'm in. What's my And To be honest, the lyrical content of this song, I think it hits. It's, it's, it's goofy and silly but it actually connects in more of a real way than a lot of this stuff because I think there's a self-awareness to it. Saying like, yo, we are kind of weird for singing songs about this when we, we're, we're 23 and we still act like we're in freshman year. Like, yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate it more listening to it now as a like, like father of two <laughs> right, right. playing academic listen through on this record. Um, so uh, before any uh, bitches hang up on us, um, <laughs> let's talk about the song Dysentery Gary. <laughs> Can't wait. Um, Back to so, you, Tom, on yeah. vocals. <laughs> this is just um, like classic Dysentery Gary. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't even take this song seriously just based on the, the title. But like, I mean, uh, real quick, I mean, I actually I don't I don't mind this song at all. Um I, uh, it's not my favorite song in the record, but it's, it's, it's not offensive to me in any way <laughs> aside from the lyrics. Um, but the, the drums on this one, I guess being serious for a sec, I mean, the only thing that sets this apart again is the drums. Like I, I, I just, I can't emphasize enough. I just, I don't think that this band gets where they are without Travis Barker. Yes. Um, and this is just one of those moments that he really shines on this record for me. Um, and the intro too, I think is, is really good. Um, but that being said, it's like, it's, it's, it's like you're singing about, uh, not, or being angry with the guy that gets the girl. Yes. The, the, the guy that gets the girl who, uh, has long hair. Yeah. Who's like into Slayer or something. It's like, it's like, dude, she made the right choice. You know, um, Slayer's cooler than Blink-182. So I don't know. But like, but life just sucks. Like the chorus, it's, it's, it's so simplistic, but it's also, that's why it works. You know, I mean, that's why people went for it and what probably why I went for it. It's just like, it's, it's, it's a simple thing. 
It's a simple message, Bob. This one feels very classic '90s pop punk in like big a bigger room. Like this yeah. one more so than a lot of the record. Like we, it feels more tried and true. Um, I hope that Dysentery Gary was a real guy, and this is like a real ass diss track. You know, um, I hope so too. The tempo and the drum stuff is actually pretty fun in the song. Um, lyrics are goofy. Girls are such a drag. <laughs> Fucking Shakespeare over here, <laughs> killing it. Um, it's just funny. Um, it's fine. It's, it's, it's funny crazy, for it to be though. wedged between "What's My Age Again" and Adam's song. It is. It is. Yeah. It's so, why, dude. This record sold 15 million copies. Dysentery Gary is on it. Yeah, yes, 15 million, 15 million people paid full retail price for the song <laughs> Dysentery Gary. Bob, right. I was one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, if you had oh, told me, gosh. I wouldn't have made fun of you. I'm good with it. Well, you see, you were always good for that, but I but I also but know people were, that would have. Oh, so. there were some judges. We had some. We had some Judge Judies in our our, our friend circles. Yeah. Um, All right, so then, let's talk about. So how this many pop punk songs are about suicide? I, Not many that I can name. Yeah. Yeah. This is Not a heavy many. song. It's super heavy. I mean, it's 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 the clearly the darkest moment on this record, but it, it I think it's the darkest it, moment in the Blink 182 catalog. Uh probably, yeah. To the point where they had a friend named Adam, unrelated to the song title, but also named Adam, who uh, went by the name DJ AM who killed himself around 2009 and they didn't play the song for almost 10 years. Oh, I actually didn't know that. Um, reading up on this because I'd never read up on it, but I think this is a very sad song. Um, Mark Hoppus wrote it and like, yeah, like I would, this is a song I wrote because I was going through kind of a dark place and, you know, I felt bad that I even felt that way because we were having so much success and I was living the life I wanted to live. Like I am, you know, in a band who's getting everything that we could have ever believed in or thought of. And at the same time, I'm not super happy and I'm dealing with stuff mentally and, um, you know, depression and loneliness. And that's where the song comes from. Uh, so Yo, I want to say, like, there's lyrical parts of this that, like, remember that time that I spilled the cup of apple juice in the hall? Please tell mom this is not her fault. 
yo, why is that so affecting? <laughs> like, this is this band, the prior Pete, the prior song is called Dysentery Gary. Yeah. And the more credible song before that is What's My Age Again, which is about like being straight up being immature. Yeah. And then they drop this song that is like heavy and serious and like holds sand and uh it's weird. It is weird. Um so I, I mean I I think this is my favorite song on the record. And like it's not one I ever really thought about till very recently. I'm like, damn, like I knew it from hearing it be played. But like even yeah, thinking this about was a people, hit. yeah, yeah, yo, this was a hit. This song feels almost like borderline un, like unsuitable to be played on radio because it's so sad and heavy. Yeah, but it's it's good. I mean, in my opinion, it's good because it's like, yo, like this is some real shit. Like people feel this. Um, so I think the song is pretty like pulled back like this is ballady blink 182 kind of you know mm-hmm. but it hits right and i don't know how many bands of their ilk could pull this off well that's the thing i mean this song shows that what they're putting on in the other songs is just kind of this air and that yeah. they have the ability to do things that are that are so more so much more advanced than what they choose to do like 90% of the time but yet they're just not doing for some reason right like well so right so here we go there's an intentionality to the lightness to the yeah we could we could go dark like this is as dark as you know a lot of the songs off dirt you know yeah <laughs> so they show like hey we could we could we could do that but we kind of would like to like go to the movies and eat popcorn and like like make Jim Carrey jokes too so let's do that right yeah I mean um it's interesting I mean at the same time I'll say this, and I, I hope I don't sound insensitive in doing this. No. Like, the the spilling the cup of apple juice in the hall, please tell mom it's not her fault. That's something, when you hear stories of suicide from people who are in their teenage years. Yes. You know, at least I always think to myself, having been a deeply depressed kid at that age. Right. Um, I always think to myself, like, man, I just wish you hung on for like a year or two more because it just it only gets better, you know, and like, and, 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 and that's where lyrically, I do feel like they're still singing about the teenage years. It's just in a more serious and less like dick and butt joke kind of way. Um, but, but in this respect, he's just like thinking through maybe these thoughts that he had at the time at that age and saying like, you know, reflecting on that. There's well, there's elements like, of that for as sure. The dude that made it past it. I think know? there's elements of that, but I think then there's stuff where it's like very biographical. Like, I never conquered, rarely came. Sixteen just held such better days. Days when I still felt alive. Couldn't mm-hmm. wait to get outside. The world was wide, too late to try. The tour was over. We'd survived. 
I right. couldn't wait till I got home so, to pass yeah, the so time that's, in my that's, room alone. That's where it's like the like trace back up yeah. timeline wise. Um, I agree. There's some like, hey, getting through this, but he never spells it out. You know what I mean? He never spells it out. Spells it out like, hey, it's going to get better in the same way that we are yeah, saying that's it. True. You know what I mean? That's true. Yeah. As opposed to like when I hear that line, the please tell mom this is not her fault. It's like it's that weird concession of how many people hold off. And I say this almost as a good thing. Hold off from self-harm because they don't they f- they fear what it will do to the people they love in their life. Right. You know, and like oh my god, like this idea of like please tell mom this is not her fault. That's that's some sad shit, man. For sure. Like who who came to the Blink-182 record looking to catch feelings? Well, here's a here's a, a Santa Claus bag full of them. Um, <laughs> So impressive for them to be able to pull this off, especially off coming coming off like such a banger like Dysentery Gary. <laughs> and apparently they 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 considered not putting this on the record because they, they just they were like this song is too dark. Which which I I I understand the fact that that was a discussion. I mean, it is so much darker any and other such song a in the different record. vibe than any other song in the record, but at the same time I think that having included it you know, obviously this song was super successful. So like clearly, I, it, it, I mean, you, you spelled it out really well. It shows another dimension to them and it almost pulls back a curtain that you catch on certain elements of dude ranch <laughs> where it's like, whoa, 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 this band's got layers. Like the song, apple shampoo. Like yeah. <laughs> there's, there's elements to this band that they got more going on than, than finger and butt music. Um, right. <laughs> and it's like, really impressive and so to actually be conscious of it um by the way i think this is like the heart of this weird rock block in the middle of this record that's super strong that i think starts with what's my age again and runs through a few more songs too where i just think like they just hit their groove and everything's just rocking here oh dysentery gary's part of the rock block i like like the weak point in the rock block but it's there (laughs) so you know no i'm with it girls are such a drag (laughs) idiots no i mean adam's song is awesome and also i mean dude i I gotta keep saying it i mean travis barker on adam's song is awesome 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 like that's yeah secret weapon uh secret weapon all the small things i mean these songs transition together so seamlessly, but this feels just the energy change is so wild between Adam's song and all the small things. Well, uh, you know what? I will say this though. The way they end the song on Adam's song, there is kind of a rise. It comes up at the end. You know what I mean? Yeah. At least sonically. Yeah. There's like the piano part. Yeah, and it's, it's like, yeah. And, and vocally, totally it's, <laughs> It's a uh, it's a brightening at the end. It's a bright flourish that enables all the small things to come in so suddenly and abruptly, but not feel like oh, there's the heavy song about suicide, and now here's the you know all the small yeah. things, the, yeah. the the most stadium pop punk song of all time. Of all time. I'm not even saying it doesn't work. I'm just Me saying either. like have, having heard all the small things in a vacuum for so long, just as a radio hit you forget that like on the album it comes out of Adam's song. And that's the, that was just interesting to me to Agreed. kind of re- rediscover. Um, 
this is the best version of Tom. Sure. Odd but memorable yeah. vocal melodies, like literally undeniably catchy. <laughs> um, work sucks, I know. God tier line. God tier lyrics. <laughs> work sucks, I know. Like it's so good. Um, this is stadium pop punk at its finest. The chorus is like designed for call and response with the audience. You know, like, like you, you hear this the first time and you can immediately picture an entire building of people singing along to it, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the music video for this was a lot of fun. <laughs> and huge. Huge. And huge. Yeah. I, uh, so the music video, uh, as alluded to, the other big thing that was happening was boy bands. The music video is Blink-182 as a boy band. Uh, parodying and sync Backstreet Boy videos, and it's a total degrees. piss take. Yeah, yeah, ninety eight degrees. It's a total <laughs> piss take, and it's really well done, really fun. Yeah, it's fun. Um, I mean, my thoughts on the song. It's, I understand why it's a hit. At the same time, I could go the rest of my life and never hear the song again. Um, same. But it's, un- <laughs> it's 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 undeniably catchy. I I think you're right in that. Like, it is kind of. It's Tom at his best, but also I could I I I remember feeling how grating this song was after hearing it a billion times mm-hmm. when it came out. Um, yes, so I understand why people would not be into it. Um, um but yeah, I don't know. No, it's, I think if I get why it was a hit, and I think if someone has heard this song, or if someone does not like Blink One Eighty Two, this song is not changing your mind no not at all so uh yeah <laughs> i'll say that yeah. um let's go to the next song because i have a lot to say about this song do you okay the party song So this one, all I remember is I had, we would hang out at the White Street parking lot in Red Bank, New Jersey. And I had friends in my circle that like, it was like a kind of a badge of pride that they could just play this song and like recite every lyric in Mm -hmm. one breath. Mm -hmm. It was like a thing. It was like a, like a party thing. Yep. Um, (laughs) You're not wrong. I, I, uh, I, I didn't think it was like particularly cute, but like it's, uh, it, it is what it is. Right. So like, but, but at the same time, when I listening to it with new ears for me, it was like, this is just them doing what they were doing on Cheshire cat and dude ranch. But like, on steroids elevated yes yeah. um 
Pete, you, I don't you, like it. I don't mind it. It's fine. I like it. Uh, <laughs> Pete, you made some illusions. You said you maybe think you were a Green Day kid. Yeah. I wasn't a Green Day kid. Okay. I didn't surf, but I had a lot of friends who surfed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this record comes out in 99, right? Yep. I'm a junior. I'm going into senior year of high school. This is a song that literally friends of mine would play when they'd pick me up to go to a party. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have not heard it. <laughs> like God, I didn't even know that it was like actually a party song. That's, well, a, it was that's like, amazing. You know, like I had friends who like Blink-182 like was a I've said like a lot because I'm in the Blink-182 mindset, people. I know. Blink-182 was their godhead in their music world. So, um, you know, they liked a lot of other things, but Blink-182 was the thing and everything else kind of was variants and different shades of that. At 17, this song was so fun. Um, to go on a musical, the reasons I like it, and I, I broke it down. The pitter-patter of the voice, I think you're right. Uh, Mark is great on this song. I think he... Like, he plays the beat really well with his voice, and it's it is the best version of maybe even prior to Dude Ranch. Like, this is like early Blink-182 era stuff. And um, they don't do this very often, this this song, like this tile song. Right. But it really works. And it coming off the big hits, this was like, this is like the deep cut off this record. So the story time is that this is a song and it would be fun and it's fun to sing along to. Like super fun. And it like has the slowdown part. Like this is again, Travis showing out. <laughs> on the drums and like he makes this song dynamic when it's really pretty simple. Um, then you get to the lyrical content <laughs> and it's the worst version of like, like <sighs> making being reductive of women and girls. And when you're a 17 year old, it's just whatever, you know, um, it's like, uh, like, so you don't think some girls try too hard, Bob? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. And some guys try too hard. And certainly the guys from like 182 I'm, I'm try totally too hard kidding, on this one. Yeah. Um, some girls try too hard to impress with the way that they dress with those things on their chest and the things they suggest to me. Um, and then it goes on and it's like, oh no. And it's like, yo, is this, is this f- indoctrinating generations of dumb teenage suburbia boys to like have a weird negative feeling about a girl? You know what I mean? And yeah. like uh, the idea of slut shaming or whatever, or, you know, uh, her volume of makeup, her fake tits were tasteless. 
Um, like, yo, what are you guys doing? Um, yeah, it's not helpful. Not great. Not great, Bill. That said, I like the song. Pete, what do I do? I don't know. It, I mean, I know, it, it just, I know. It, it, it is what it is. I mean, it's out there at this point, it's not but it's playing it, at my funeral, man. Nah. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm playing dysentery Gary. At my funeral. I thought you I, might. It's I, in my I will know you already, felt strongly but, about it. Oh yeah. So, so this is, this is their, their weird, this, this is an example of them at their worst. And, um, also a, a thing that I think is perhaps the most immature mentality that you're getting on the record. And the thing that I'm trying to find conflict with and go like, okay, this on level is playful, silly, childish. We've cited the descendants. They have very similar content, you know, very similar, very similar. But, 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 but that's, see, that's where, like, I just want to have a short conversation about this. Please. That, I mean, that's where, I struggled with this record because I thought about all these other pop punk bands that I was a fan of growing up. And like, honestly, like having been a teenage boy, you know, like you have certain feelings that might not make sense. I think it's okay to like sift through those feelings and like write them in a journal and like talk to friends about them and like figure it out. But yeah, like, and to feel when you're, through when, them for sure, and yeah. to feel through them. But like, I mean, that's just that's the only way that you're going to end up understanding any of these things, right? So like, you have to you have to express them in a certain respect. But like, the way that this band operates, where it's men, yes, thank you, you're hitting the writing, good point. Thank you, right? Writing about these things that they have already sifted through or should have. Or, and if they should, haven't, or, it's yeah, really I mean, bad, really exactly, bad. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, if they haven't, it's a problem, but like the fact that they're then being like, Hey, this is our major label record. We know that it's going to at least sell a few copies. I mean, I, th- nobody could have imagined how many copies of this record sold, but like, but at least sell a few copies. We're going to get on bigger tours. Let's put this message out there. I just, I mean, I'm conflicted because I'm I'm very much like, hey man, do what you want to do with your art. But yes, at the same time, yes. I also like as 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 a as a I, I assume that they're men who know better. <laughs> right. And they're just not doing that. And I, I wonder, like, I know that I think all of them are fathers now, right? For like sure. I just imagine like would they have done things differently in retrospect? Because like stuff like this, it just it's like Man, if if this was on Cheshire Cat, I'd be like, "Hey, man, whatever." They were actually seventeen, and this yep. is like actually what they were thinking. But like yep. the fact that that wasn't twenty three, twenty four, twenty five, a little, it's a little wild. Yes, and that's you're hitting the exact right point. Is that you're fifteen and working through things? You're seventeen and working through things. Okay, you'd probably be a little embarrassed later on. We talked about the intentionality of some of their stuff and being lighthearted. And I think that's an element. These guys were trying to be lighthearted. This is a Mark song he wrote. This follows Adam's song that he also wrote. And it's like, whoa, when you, you do the juxtaposition, it's like, damn, man. So there's a part of me that says, like, as a whole, this shit's bad on a systemic level of like, yo, this is... This was a trope 
in in songwriting where it's like this isn't love lorn this isn't like i got dumped what was me it's like a trope that is uh women are no good and uh they might look good but they're evil <laughs> they're bad and it's like yo fuck and there's like they're trying to get one over on you right. somehow and there's like, like this like they're going to use their sexuality to you know to play with you and then you're going to get hurt in the end and it's like nah bro stop being a fucking loser <laughs> like <laughs> like figure this out and you know have communicate because 16 year old writes a song i'm like ah oh, you're 16 yeah 25 year old writes a song yo uh, I'm not old enough. To, I'm not too old not to remember being 25. This is embarrassing at 25. Yeah. Embarrassing. So um, all that said, I, I like this song and I have weird nostalgia about it. But I also think, fuck, fuck this song. Um, it's it's a fun, fast song on this record in terms of the beat and the playfulness. But it's hard for me to separate it on this track because the lyrics are so intrinsic and the vocal beat to it is really good, you know? Um, and that's part of what brings me to it. And so if I, if I'm going to give it credit, I have to give it the demerits too. Yeah. All right. It's the girls, girls, girls of, uh, enema of the stage. <laughs> that's right. All right. Moving forward. Mutt. Um, so I'm not going to lie. The, the last kind of quarter of this record starts losing me. Um, Oh, we can. Yeah, I think I think so for me too. Um, it's more the same. Yeah, I don't th- this love record it. Record sounds the, the the what this song made me think was this. This record really does sound good. It's like just sounds really good. Yeah. Um, Tom's vocals here though. I was listening to one of the listens. I was listening in my car, and I uh, put down the window, and it went <laughs> like kind of squeaky for a second, and it lined up with his vocals, and I was like, "Oh, that's really weird." Um, <laughs> this is a very, very in the pocket Blink One Eighty Two sound. Yeah, um, it's just they 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 found their kind of they, they found their sound. Their They're safe doing space sound. was here. Um, this yeah. song grew on me a little bit, but still not a bit. Wendy Clear. feel good about driving around with the windows down listening to blink 182 uh when i pulled up to my son's <laughs> elementary school i certainly turned that all the way down awesome yes yeah <laughs> wendy clear wendy clear um more in the classic 90s pop punk slash alt valley kind of thing yeah. i think i think blink 182 just succeeded where many bands kind of failed 
Uh, sonically, this song and a lot of the record and the Blink sound is closer to something like Game Face or Good Riddance than to Green Day. Um, yeah. And, you know, what is this closer to? Blue Album Weezer or Green Day Dookie? It might be right in the middle. It's right in the middle. I mean, I, I feel like this is a stronger version of what they did on Dude Ranch. Like it's, yes. it's just yep. like a natural kind of evolution of what they've been doing. Um, but it like it doesn't hit. I mean, no, no, no. A this lot is of not, a lot of the songs, on, a lot of the songs on this record, like really hit for me. Honestly, like the first half is, I think, is really strong, and like the second half of this, just it really starts losing me. But it's not bad. It's just like it's it's good. It's it's kind of provably like the best version of what it is at the time, but it's just, who cares? I don't care. I don't know. It doesn't, it's fine. Well said. Well said. Um, and the closer Anthem and this one to me, this, uh, we, we briefly talked about doing the 2003 self-titled blink record. This record forecasted more like there's some stop and go like pop punk stuff here. This is even more stilted and like beat based stop and go, yeah. Which they get into on on that self titled record, and I feel like Travis is like fully like, oh hey, I'm going to be in the songwriting mix right here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, apparently he helped write all of these songs. Like they they all got together. He was there. He he like kind of made the personal decision to be there to help them write awesome. all this stuff. Awesome. But he was not credited for any of the songwriting on this record. Interesting, huh? Yeah. So, like, because because they thought of him as a hired gun for this album, apparently. And I think once they recorded it, they were like, "Well, what the fuck are we doing? We we should obviously keep this guy." So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this dude made this record. So. Yeah, he made. I mean, he made the band. There's no Blink One Eighty Two if it's not for Travis Barker, in my opinion. But but yeah, <sighs> I mean, right. I, I I agree with you. This is like if you listen to the next record, take off your pants and jacket or the self-titled record after that. I mean, yeah. it's, they increasingly kind of rely on him, um, in a bigger and bigger way. And I yeah. think, uh, this is kind of a, a hint at that, but, but that being said, I, I, I don't feel like this is a super strong closer and it's just, I'm just a little bit tired at this point in the record and I don't love it. No, so I agree. The, the only thing holding me on, on this one is listening to Travis Barker's drums. I actually think this is a very strong track for him, and he yeah. maneuvers through so many different sounds on this record and and on this song specifically. He does a few different things that I just think like <sighs> he pulls it off so well, and it's uh, it's cool. It's cool to see. So for sure. that closes Enema of the State. Let's get to rating this thing. Holistic quality out of twenty. So all things being equal, I gotta take into I gotta take the lyrics into account. I yeah. gotta take my feelings about the whole thing into account. I mean, I was a fan. I I understand where it all came from. Uh, I followed this band. I've listened to the you know Matt Skiba era records. So wow. like I, I I'm, I'm Bob. I'm curious. I mean, I, I know, like Avalanche Trio. The I, just, I, love I gotta it. check it out. Um. I gave it a 13. How did you end up the same? Uh, same, 13. I, I took into effect 
how fun this record is, uh, how easy a lot of it is to listen to, how whiny uh, Tom's vocals get, and how uncomfortable I would be recommending some of the lyrical content to anyone else who's an adult. <laughs> um, all right. Highs, the best of the best of this record out of 10. I like this record. I yeah. bought it when it came out. Yeah. I still own it. Oh, that's so cool. Although I haven't revisited it in a long time. Um, I just revisited it for this this exercise. But um, I gave it a six. Just because it's kind of indefensible. I mean, it's just like, it's it's, it's the highs are high, but it's also like... I'm I'm giving I'm in a different place with it. I'm giving it an eight because Adam's song I think is a high, and I should, think it shows a maturity. And I think there's notes of the self awareness. Like I said, what's my age again? Um, it's probably I'm not giving it a nine or a ten, but the highs just based on the best of the best, the good songs, eight out of ten. Lows. Let's talk about the lows of this record, sir. I mean, it's got to be a one. Yeah, it gets really bad. Like like the music is bad and the lyrics are just bring it down yeah. further. I mean it's 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 I'm in there too. I gave it a two. Okay. Because I think I think it's listenable at all points, but the these these songs that are not super interesting musically are still floated by competent play. Mm-hmm. And the drumming's really good. So I gave it a two, but it's still the lows. The I, lyrical I content like, on a few of the tracks really hurts. Really, really I mean, here's, here, here's the thing with this album. I could make arguments to rate this thing all over the place. So I'm just trying to like, I, I kind of went with my gut as I was at the time that I was rating it, which had that been, you know, an hour later, maybe I would have felt differently. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Overall competency, how does it compare to its peers? Out of 10, I'm giving it a 6 out of 10. Um, I think it's very competent. Man, is it? am I too low on this? Uh, but lyrically, like, it comes down. Um, Content-wise, it comes down. And, and, you know, some of the other, I, I think even comparing it to itself, which I like to do, um, I think Dude Ranch is a better record than this, actually. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, I, I think it is. I, think I would have to revisit. I, I think I, it's I, less. I feel like this is stronger, but I'm not sure. The highs on this might be strong. I think the highs on this are stronger, but there's a little less, like, the lows of this are lower. Um, so I, I think it's competent. I think Travis is obviously highly competent. What they do elsewhere is really good. Production is good, but yeah, just six out of 10 to me. I gave it an eight. Nice. Um, just because I, I think In peer I mean, review, you're probably right. It does yeah, stand I mean, up better to its peers. All right. I'm, I'm pumping that, that, it to an eight. Fuck it. That's the thing. I mean, I just feel Compared like to the other pack of this, like it's yeah. yeah the, like there's a reason that they, became as big as they were. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's super competent. So, so yeah, I don't know. Best of the bunch drag factor out of 10. Does this record drag? Um, I gave it a seven. I think that it, it flows by pretty quick. I mean, it's only 35 minutes. 
at the same time, it just it just gets a little exhausting. I mean, like, I'm not sure that pop punk albums like this are supposed to be any longer than like 25 minutes. So I think um, this is this is to me a really good sandwich with stale bread. Uh, <laughs> the, it op- the open the first three songs are fine. They're pretty good. Um, certainly better than the last three songs. But that middle section is where I'm in, um, and that's okay. the meat of the record for me. So I gave it a six out of ten. Okay. Flow out of ten. How do, how well does it flow? Um, Tried to track, gonna, and then as a record as a whole. I gave it a. I'm gonna go in with a seven. I gave it a six. Again, I, I think it flows pretty well, but there's a couple fall offs and a couple like really strong sections. I do like how they go. They do bleed some of the songs into the next. I like the bleeds. Details. Yeah. Yeah. Aesthetics out of 10. So the band claims that they didn't know who Janine was, who's the the porn star on the cover of the album prior yes. to choosing her for the cover. Do you think that's true, Bob? Hmm. They reference listening, watching porn on the record lyrically. <laughs> Now, that said, there are a lot of porn stars. They That's made, true. And it was 1999. It was a li- Porn was a different world back then. It was a different world, yes. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say I believe it. Okay, fair enough. Um, I Listen, <laughs> the cover is iconic. It is. Um, and it really fits the bill for them and what they're singing about and what they're doing and it's bright. Um, I'm giving it a seven. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm at a seven. I think it's also, I think it's their best record cover. Take off your pants and jacket is number two. Okay. I th- think maybe I go dude ranch after that, but like, Literally, Dude Ranch is a cartoon illustration of a bull on a dude ranch with Blink-182's <laughs> logo seared into its ass, and you can see the testicles of the bull. You don't like that? I didn't say I didn't like it. I just said it's the third best. <laughs> just describing it. Uh, this one becomes their best cover partially because, Pete, you have a friend who has a Blink-182 tattoo. What is it? <gasps> Wait, this isn't you. Another friend. Wait, did you tell me the story? I think somebody else did. Yeah, no, it's not me. Oh, Pete, a mutual friend of ours said they have a friend who has a Blink-182 tattoo. It is the blue butterfly. Oh, wow. That this, the woman has on her arm. And because they didn't like any of the Blink-182 stuff, that is what they got as their <laughs> Blink-182 tattoo. Wow. Amazing, right? Wow. So they actually just got like Janine's Butterfly tattoo. And I believe, I believe in the same spot. Amazing. Yeah. Almost worthy of bumping it up more, right? Um, (laughs) Impact and influence. I gave this an eight. I think uh, this record for better and worse was very impactful. I think that we talked about some of that uh, stuff. Um, I think this, (sighs) whether people know it or not, gave birth to an entire low-key wave of pop punk uh, in the aughts and opened the door for many tiers of pop punk bands to exist all the way from Paramore and Fall Out Boy down to lower levels. 
And we're seeing how that's not just like a thing that happened and has gone by. We're now seeing like revival festivals centered around this. Well, that's the craziest thing. And that's, that's the thing that I never would have guessed in a million years. Um, but here we are. I mean, it's, and it's, it is what it is. It's fine. Right. But like, I never would have guessed that this would be the guitar music that transcends, you know, over generations and like, and, 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 and people are still looking back to, I, I, I can't see this having like a super long life, but at the same time, it, it, here we are, it's been 23 years. Yeah. It's, it's wild. So, so I have to give it an eight, um, just because, Hey man, kudos just for standing the test of time, I guess, and having people look back on it. And, you know, I will say, I I think it's interesting that Travis Barker, he knows how to do one thing very well. It seems like now that he's producing all of these pop punk records, um, but he's like keeping pop punk alive and doing it in this way that he only knows how to do. And uh, I don't know, man. I mean, he's staying active and I always kind of, give credit to people who are staying active and in, in doing the thing that they like to do. So I don't know. 100. Um, cool. Intangible. The final, the, the unknowable, the little magics, et cetera, et cetera. Out of 10, Pete, what, what do you give it for intangibles? I think there's a huge, I mean, I talked about the post grunge thing going on here. I do think that there's just blink One Eighty Two are, it's a time and a place thing. They, this music is not as successful as it was had they not been right there right then. Um, so I have to give it a. I'm going to give it a seven just because it's uh. There's there there's something in the ether and they were part of it and uh, it worked out for them. I give it a six out of ten because we were there and we felt yeah. it and we weren't. While we weren't even the the specific person for it, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we weren't the Jude Bros. Um, but no, I mean, in fact, it like made me less interested in them as a fan, right? You know? right. So, and yeah. uh, but there's something about it that's really interesting, and like, we're now 23 years later there's going to be a handful of records from 1999. What is the most successful rock record of 1999? I'm very curious. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to look at this real quick. Best selling rock record. People love, uh, when I mean, this Google has to be up there. Record of 1999. Best selling rock records of 1999. Oh, this is a pretty funny year. Actually. <sighs> this is really funny. Let's see. They're doing these, but they're not best rock albums. This is saying best hard rock. Is it going to qualify as hard rock? Probably not. This is really interesting. Uh, (laughs) I'm having to sift through some really weird shit, man. Um, Throw out a few names. Well, as you're sifting, the Santana record is somehow grouped with Blink 182, Creed, Human Clay. Do you remember how big Creed was? I mean, that was big. 
That was huge, big, big. Huge, huge. Um, the Chris Cornell solo record. Let's see. Um, stained dysfunction. Let's see. This created human clay. Seven dust home filter. Jesus Christ. Nine inch nails. The fragile. Incubus. Make yourself. Yeah, this is the one. Are you a nine inch nails fan? Uh, loosely. Yeah, loosely. Do you like? Have you listened to the fragile? I have not. I I think we need to do the big because we did the '90s albums. Yeah, let's do the big '90s like bloated double albums. We yeah, should do we really melancholy, should. and we should yep. do the fragile. Okay, let's do it. All right, so they're they're putting Blink One Eighty Two Enema at five, but this is like a more objective. So Limp Biscuit, Significant Other, okay, okay, this was a really big record, uh, but a band who just played Madison Square Garden and couldn't draw one third of capacity. Foo Fighters, there's nothing left to lose. This record certainly hasn't aged well. Um, it's fine, but like. If you ask me what record feels more relevant in 2022, Foo Fighters, Nothing Left to Lose, or Blink-182, Anima, I think it's Blink-182. Yeah. Red Hot Chili Peppers, Californication. All right. That was a big record. That was big. Rage Against the Machine, Battle of Los Angeles. Interesting. I mean, I don't I don't know what's on that. Gorilla Radio. Okay. Testify. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Some songs that people definitely know. Um, all right. 1999, a surprisingly weird year for big rock albums. Uh, <laughs> and also the one that gave us this Blink-182 record. I had no idea that we would talk for an hour and 45 minutes about Blink-182. Yeah, this is maybe one of the longest episodes we've ever done. Fuck it. Um, so. Do I own this record? I, do you? I don't. Okay. Will I add it to I, my collection? I don't think so. I don't think I need no? to own this one. I like it. Oh, and my final, what was your final score? 64. <laughs> we tied 64. We don't do that all the time, but I like it. I know. It's, it's funny. We ended up in the same place because I, I could tell we were going in a, in the same direction, but from different spots. Different, yeah. From different angles. Yeah. yeah. Um, why do you think that Blink-182, and I, I, we've been going long, but yeah, I just it. think it's a it's an interesting question. Why are Blink One Eighty Two able to still sell out like like stadiums with a different singer and just seamlessly make that transition? How does that work? Um, Why does nobody care about the like who's singing the song? Passionate fan base who stuck or stuck with it. Um, okay. Some because of tenure and just interest, and some just because the band is, um, I don't know. I think it just became a band who people just love the songs. Yeah. I think the dual vocals, it's like, wait, who's there? Mark? Mark's still there? Okay, well, I like his songs more. And the other guy's going to sing the Tom songs? All right, let's see how that is. Right. Yeah, that's fine. You know, so I, I think that's cool. Uh how have they stayed relevant? I think they've stayed more relevant. I, I, they've just kind of kept it going, but it has been starts and stops. They haven't been a continuous cycle band, so they've been aware of scarcity. 
there's also we didn't talk about like their early 2000s impact with stuff like Atticus clothing and oh, Macbeth right. skate shoes. You know what I mean? Right. Like they became so embedded in whatever world became of skate and surf that like they ended up owning a chunk of it, you know? Uh, so more power to them. Um, Pete, do you own this record? Bob, I own this record. Do you but I own have the CD. You own the CD. I was going to say, you don't yeah. own the, will you no, buy a vinyl copy? Uh, if I find it for like ten bucks, I might pick it up. Okay, just just as like a nostalgia play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but, but, all right. I'll co-sign but, on that. But like, I I also don't think that I'm finding this record for ten dollars. So I don't think so either. That's a know. that's a that's we'll, we'll scoop it up at the Columbus flea market for ten bucks. Yeah, it's a good find. Um, yo, I think that's it. I think that's all we got. Everybody. Uh, Go make a fart joke today. (laughs) Bye, everybody. See you next week.